Welcome to Small Talk. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to talk about the presidential debate. And it feels kind of crazy to even talk about it tonight because it feels like it was like three months ago or something at this mm -hmm. point. I guess because so much news has occurred since then. And, uh, and maybe it was such a debacle that uh, maybe I'm just blocking it from my memory. Maybe that's actually what's going on. It's like a bad childhood memory at this point, that debate. It was absolutely awful uh, in my point of view. But I would love to hear your point of view tonight uh, as we talk about this. So there's always the comment section. If you're watching live on the Small Talk Facebook page, you can make your comments there and they'll come up on my screen. That way I can, if you make a profound comment, I can pull it over onto the screen and we can talk about it. Always love to be able to do that. You might be watching on Teresa's profile or Justin's or Greg's profile or someone else that's shared. And that's awesome. We appreciate that. But if you comment there, we won't be able to see it. So uh, go to the small talk page and while you're there, like the page, I will say we got quite a few more likes because Greg Kell, uh, he asked a bunch of people to like it. And so many of you responded. So we're over 500 likes now. And, but there was like over 1600 views of our last episode. So there's to do the math, right? There's still like 1100 of y'all out there that I need to like the page. And Justin's actually come up with a little bit of a wager. Maybe we can talk about tonight that we certainly can. Yeah. 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 I, listen. And by the way, uh, what an awesome thing that uh, these guests show up. I love it. And uh, Chris Mulling's going to be on his way in here in just a few minutes. Uh, Reggie was just with us a minute ago. Josh Wooten was going to be with us tonight, but uh, he's going to have to uh, bow out tonight and hopefully he'll join us again soon. But what a blessing it is. Thank you, Teresa and Greg and Justin and really everyone that's been on Small Talk to this point. This, this is my hobby. I, I enjoy doing this. I love talking with my friends. I love the fact that you all would come on here and uh, just help me be successful. And uh, it's an awesome, awesome thing. So I appreciate that. Um, all right. So I also want you to not only like the Small Talk page, but also open up Google. Apple, Spotify, podcast platforms, type in small talk, search for it, subscribe, uh, give us a five-star rating. That would also be helpful. So let's talk about the debate. What a debacle. What, what a mess. So let me just start off and, um, you know what? No, we're not going to start off with the debate. We're going to start off with something much more important than the debate, and that's mosquitoes, okay? <laughs> mosquitoes. That's what we're going to talk about first, Okay. I see all this repping. I feel like I've totally lost <laughs> control of this show that is kind of my namesake here. I have lost control. I've got this great graphic here behind me. All the, no, who, who cares? We've got all this Go West stuff going on here. So, Teresa, give us a quick update here. Uh, we got Meredith out there already asking how to get one of these Go West shirts. Apparently, she missed my la last episode when I let everyone know that she can have one. For three easy payments in 1995. Using <laughs> so tell us how the campaign's going before we get to that lesser important campaign out there for president. 
Um, I think it's going great. I mean, we're hearing a big response. Uh, the biggest response we're hearing is that people didn't even know how much money um, the Mosquito Control District had and what's actually happening. So in my opinion, win or lose, we're educating the public on where their taxpayers are going. So I think we're doing well. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw you talking to Mike Wright from our local newspaper, The Chronicle. He did a little interview spot with you. And mm -hmm. I thought, listen, I'm not just saying it's because you're my friend. I thought you did a great job. It was informative for me. When you start throwing around numbers like $4 million in a mosquito control budget and talking about getting a second helicopter and all the rest of it, you've got my attention right from the get-go. Yeah. Now, we can go from there. I'm not automatically going to take one position over the other. It just gets me interested, and I want to learn more about what's actually happening. This is a lot of money. Mm hmm. Well, and I think taxpayers should should be interested in everything that's on the ballot. We shouldn't have a race like mosquito control where it's known as it's a bubble in race. It, it shouldn't be. We need to know who's getting elected. Right. Yeah. Well, I think you're uh, I think you're doing a great job. I've actually never seen so much enthusiasm for the mosquito control board. Like I've never, I've never seen so much enthusiasm. So, and I will say, Teresa, I personally am willing to take all the credit for all of this enthusiasm <laughs> because I am the one who came up with go West. I am the one that puts you on this, but surrendered my podcast <laughs> to you week after yeah. week after week. Yeah. I, will take, I will take full credit. And I appreciate it. You you have been a master at branding. That T-shirt last week was phenomenal. I mean, I was so impressed with that. Now today, Justin's got his background. I mean, you guys, yeah. you guys are doing a great. I need to hire you. Now, who who made that shirt that you have on? Uh, Laura Van Fleet. Yeah, she and I'm gonna tell her. I'm gonna let her know my shirt's cool. I'm just saying. I I just like my shirt better. I mean, I'm just saying. I it, it is cool. She gave it a good, she gave it the college, old college try. She, she really did. But uh, <laughs> she was some good to do. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. It's just awesome to have, uh, have friends support you, whether it's uh, supporting you, Teresa, in this endeavor, having you all support me with my little hobby here. It's uh, pretty cool. So awesome, awesome Thank thing. You. Awesome thing. So, um, yes, uh, Laura, we could uh, actually have a vote off and see whose uh, shirt wins. Maybe we can do that at some point. I don't know if I would. Uh, She's so competitive. I, I don't think she wants this action. All right. So let's talk about the presidential race here. Um, Greg, let's start with you. Who won? Who won the debate? I think probably if now that we've had you know, several days to look at it, probably Biden was the winner. Not because of not because of what he said during the debate, but just because of the negative blowback of of Trump's personality on full display. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go back and read the transcript, Trump had more of substance to say, but people are largely emotional viewers. And um so I think the blowback from Trump's personality did not serve him well. Yes, that's my wife in the background. <laughs> it's all right. Hi, Darla. 
Yeah, it, listen, it's not like this is one of those news episodes where the kids come in the background and, you know, start like throwing. Well, we're, we don't have kids at home, so they, or they probably would. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Justin, what's your take? Uh, who do you think won that debate? So I, I don't think anyone won. I think it was, uh, I don't think you could call that necessarily a debate. I do think that it was intentional, exactly what the Trump side did. And um, I think that was clear based upon who the um, uh, uh, the uh, debate coaches were, you know, Chris Christie and uh, Rudy Giuliani. I think that uh, that was a clear sign that that was all intentional. Um, however, Trump did interrupt twice as much as Biden did. Everybody's saying, you know, uh, Trump was the only interrupter. That's not true. He was the only one corrected. Um, he interrupted around 145 times. Biden interrupted around 71 times total and in to uh, totality. Um, Trump did get quite a few zingers and he did get Biden to miss uh, misspeak quite a bit. And I think that was the sole intention. And all of that has probably been diced up, chopped up and used for attack ads. And I think that was the intention. I can tell you who I believe lost. I believe the American people lost that debate. Um, I think um, I, I personally do not believe Chris Wallace did a very good job. I think he um, he clearly was biased, but not so much biased. You know, there's a point where you can I understand there's a point where you there is no return. But, you know, he kind of opened the door for that a lot. And with open discussion, anytime you have open discussion debates, you're going to open the door for that. That's exactly what the intention of that debate was, was open discussion. So I don't think anyone won. I think it's clear who lost. Mm -hmm. Teresa, what's your take? Uh, I was, as an American, I was just disappointed. I mean, when you talk about leadership, I think that, Trump has done a good job, but I was very disappointed um, so much. I couldn't watch all of it. Um, and, I, and I think Justin's absolutely right. I think the American people really lost because we were on the world stage as this is our two choices for, for leaders. Even though there's been lots of good stuff, it was all lost. And, and I'm speaking from a mom perspective. Um, I really felt like I was watching two toddlers. Yeah, for sure. Um, which which upset me more than anything, because both of those people who have been chosen to run for that office have way more leadership than we were able to see during the debate. Yeah, you know, it was uh, I, I can't I can't take issue with uh, anything you said uh, there. I agree with all of that. Uh, in, in particular, I guess. Justin, what what really rings true to me is that like the American people were the the loser yeah. in that debate, right? Hundred percent. Like that debate was for us. We have right. a big decision to make. You flip on the news; it doesn't matter which news outlet you go to. We're going to hear them all tell us how this is the most consequential presidential election right. of our time. Now, we, uh, granted, we hear that every single time, right? They say it every single time. Um, and, and every time, honestly, it almost feels like it is like the, the world's very different right now than, than just what it was, uh, four years ago. That's for sure. And so, uh, so it's for us, right? We need to hear policy prescriptions and proposals from both of these people. And we just, I don't feel like we got that. 
Now, Greg, you make a great point. If you go back and look at the transcript, like I've got it. This is 22 pages of like number five font, maybe, probably more like three. And it, it this I think this is probably the way that uh, the, that anyone that wants to try to get anything out of it would have to go back and take a look at this and read through it. But who's going to do that? Right? Who's going to right. do that? No, no one's nobody. To, yeah, no one's going to do that. I love I love this tweet from Adam Carolla. He said um, he said before the debate he said the debate shouldn't even be televised. We should all get audio of two Asian women reading transcripts of the candidates' answers, so we can cut out the image and delivery and get the actual ideas and policy. Now that's out of girl. I don't. I don't. I really don't. I don't get the whole Asian women thing. But it, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what he's talking about right there. Yeah. That. Well, I wonder what that says about preachers on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have no. I have no idea. But, uh, but, but after the debate, I think, Hey, you know what, Adam Carolla, you're making a lot of sense right there. True. Making, making a lot of sense. I posted after it that I think they should have done it on zoom like the rest of us have to in 2020 and where they can be muted. Yeah. Just hit the mute button, <laughs> hit, hit the mute button and just tell them to shut up. Right. Uh, that mm -hmm. might've been a little bit better. Um, so I, I did, did I watch any of the, uh, aftermath? On uh, CNN, MSN, like all the commentary afterwards, or did, did you have enough and you just turned it off? I had enough. Yeah, I didn't I watch any of the aftermath. Yeah, I, I, did, I, I was so disgusted. I didn't want to hear see anything or hear any more about it. I see. That's the part I actually love. I was upset they didn't have the spin room. I love the spin room afterwards where you just go in there and, you you know, everyone gets to share their spin on it. I just thought that was a travesty that that wasn't there. That's the part I like. That's That's some theater that I missed out on, but who needs that when you can just go to the different news outlets and check it out. So, or your local podcast or your local podcast. So <laughs> here in the podcast minor leagues, <laughs> and I appreciate the shout out today too, Justin on your show. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So I, I'm not going to turn over to Fox after that. That's boring for me. So first thing I did was I tuned in to CNN because I, I, I figured they're really giving Trump grief over there. First thing I do, I see CNN's uh, uh, Dana Bash, and here it is, almost 11 o'clock at night on CNN, and she prefaces this by basically saying, we can say this because it is cable. She said that was an absolute shit show. That's all it was. And I think that kind of took hold because I don't know how many times I heard that on cable television or in, in the media that that's what it was. And, and I have to, I totally have to agree for sure. Was an absolute mess. One prediction that I did make that I do think came true is uh, the first prediction I said to everyone last week is that Chris Wallace said his job is to be invisible, and there's yeah. absolutely no way <laughs> in the world that Chris Wallace is going to be invisible. And wow, did that come true? Now, listen, that's not a hard prediction mm -hmm. to make when you have a member of the media moderating this thing. I mean, there's Obviously, he's going to make it about himself. But man, did he make it about him himself? Well, um, and not only that, but I mean, sincerely, you know, the questions asked, how was it biased? Like, for instance, Biden was never pressed to answer the question over court packing. However, Trump was pressed on every 
statement that he made. And so, I mean, I think that's a clear evidence of bias right there is that, you know, answer the questions, guys. You signed up for this. You signed up for the, the debate. Answer the questions. You know, mm-hmm. you're we're we're voting for you. One of you November, you know, in November, we're voting for one of you. So answer the questions. Greg, what do you think about you? You wanted to talk about the Supreme Court last week when we were doing the, the pre-debate show. And when Biden was asked about packing the court, he refused to answer. And he didn't really even try to dodge it. He just straight up said, no. I'm not going to answer that because that's then going to become the story. Right. And that's going to come up again tomorrow night. So we'll see how Kamala, you know, ha- handles that with with Mike Pence, because, I mean, that's he's already tipped his hand yesterday that, he, you know, he's going to bring that up. Um, he's going to bring up the filibuster and he's going to bring up packing the court. Um, I want to hear, you know, I wanted to hear Joe mm-hmm. Biden's answer for why, why it's improper to um, move forward with Amy Con- Coney Barrett when, as I mentioned briefly last week, I mean, when they were passing Obamacare, that was a Christmas Eve vote. And the reason that was a Christmas Eve vote is because they were trying to rush to get ahead of a special election to fill Ted Kennedy's seat in the Senate. And they knew they didn't have an extra vote to waste. Mm-hmm. And um, so they rushed through that vote to pass Obamacare on Christmas Eve day. So if they can do legislation that important, that's a, you know, that's a multi-generational impact. If they can do that on Christmas Eve, when they normally, none of them would be at work on Christmas Eve, they'd have long since been home. If they can do something as important as Obamacare on Christmas Eve, why can the Republicans not do, you know, a Supreme Court justice in October? Well, Biden did say it's an election year. He kept saying that over and over again, (laughs) you know, that we're in an election. Right. And and I want to get back to I want to get to that point here in just a second about it being uh, an election year. Let me get to Jerry's question before I get too far away from it. Uh, Jerry Carr Jr. asked, do you support rule changes for the next debate like microphone cuts? And and I really don't. I, I look at this like I look at free speech issues like cancel culture wants to shut people down and shut people up. And I say, no, the, the more voices, the better. Get, get as much talking as, as can as we can we can get out there as many ideas as possible. I look at the debate the same way. I would say get Chris Wallace out of the way as more and let them have at it. They make fools out of themselves and that's what they do, I guess. But I think we're going to see a different debate next time anyway. I think especially from from gosh, I hope. Especially well, you- Trump. It's post COVID. Oh, He's it's yeah. Be let's different. talk about COVID. Let's talk it, about COVID. He's. I hate to say it, but he is going to be fatigued. I mean, look, mm-hmm. I happen to know personally that he's going to be fatigued. We just you had that COVID. I had that COVID. You had that COVID. I did. Let me ask you, Justin. I'm I'm glad to and hear you're it. putting it right here on the on the podcast. What's yeah. the matter? I mean, what? Yeah. You're, Join seven million other people, right? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. Um, yeah, it was like nine weeks ago, but yeah. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. You had COVID, right? So that must mean that you are a highly irresponsible, <laughs> foolish individual <laughs> who was reckless 
and put yourself and others in danger and uh, all the rest of it. Am I, am I reading that right? I mean, obviously you had to do it. Based upon popular opinion, however, I will tell you this. At that particular time, I was wearing my mask very religiously. So, and uh, apparently that didn't work. Because it's a virus. Just saying. Uh, yeah. So, well, were you like, were you doing like most people that I see? Were you like touching your mask all over the place and all the rest of it? And then, you know, going laying it down and like rubbing your face afterwards? Honestly, yeah. I don't know. Cause that, I mean, I think that's how it happens. You don't know if you're doing those things, you know? Right. And uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah, I don't know. I know this. I get a letter in the mail once a week asking me to donate plasma. Oh, yeah. I can, uh, I can imagine. I can imagine. I I'm trying to get, uh, Chris Mulling in here, by the way, uh, we've, uh, you know, put out there to everyone, would there be six of us tonight? And I was mm -hmm. going to make hay about that too, how on um, Fox News, they have the five and here on Small Talk, we have the six, but uh, he doesn't seem to be able to, to log in. He is, he is uh, joining in the chat though. So uh, Chris, if you're out there, buddy, I just sent you another link, link in your email. So hopefully you can uh, join us from your computer there. So, uh, hey, uh, let me, uh, before I go. Yeah, we, need, we need to talk more about how Trump's going to be just being fatigued. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I think COVID has, has helped him and his, you know, I think people have more sympathy than they did a week ago after the debate. I know this. Um, Boris Johnson and the Brazilian president both had uh, terrible approval ratings at that particular time, contracted COVID. Um, Brazilian president had a very light case. Boris Johnson was on a ventilator. Both of them saw improvement in the polling based upon approval. So, um, I don't know, but I'm just saying that that's just the history we have, recent history we have. All right. Well, before we go any further, let me, uh, let me go ahead and mention, uh, my sponsor tonight as, uh, as last week, Primal Body Athletics. Hey, go check out their website, primalbodyathletics.com. So this is the local CrossFit mm -hmm. gym here in Citrus County. And so I'm so excited because one of our viewers last week called up Jenny or, or messaged Jenny. She is the CrossFit coach at the, uh, the one and only CrossFit gym that I know of in Citrus County. Had a friend last week message her, is going to go uh, check it out. And, uh, and that friend of mine was like, hey, uh, saw it on small talk. Didn't even know there was a CrossFit gym in Citrus County. So uh, go to Jenny's website and, and check it out. Give her a call. A uh, couple cool things about CrossFit. Uh, first of all, if you go to Jenny's gym, you're going to actually be able to work out with really cool people uh, like myself and, and my wife. And uh, CrossFit's a community. It's really, really cool, right? So you go in there uh, other people are in there working out that you're all doing the same workout. You might modify it a little bit based on your level of fitness, but it's a real team approach. It, it's creating a community and that community we've been out uh, throwing axes over at the Crystal River Mall at uh, Just Amuse Me, which is also a really cool spot. Uh, we've gone bowling together, have dinner together. So it's a real community, which is an awesome thing. And if you go to another gym, you're going to pay the membership fee, but then you might have to pay a trainer a few times a, a month as well. Uh, at CrossFit, the trainer is built in. And so you've got a coach, you've got a community. It's really, really awesome. 
So go to uh, the website, primalbodyathletics.com. Check it out. Message Jenny, the coach there. Uh, call her and uh, go get yourself in shape. I am, uh, I am looking forward to uh, taking my fitness to a whole new level. I was in the best shape of my life a couple of years ago. Y'all remember that? I dropped like 50 pounds. And it's back. I remember. It's back. It's back. So, um, yeah, every once in a while, you got you to gotta, you gotta change it up a little bit sometimes. You got to go do something else. That bicycle is not working for me right now for some reason. So, you, you got to you gotta do something else. The only thing for me, George, that might be more deadly than, than COVID would be CrossFit. Is that right? Yeah, I would <laughs> die. All right. So, maybe it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. <laughs> Laura Van Fleet just about killed me earlier on the bicycle. So, oh, she did. Mm-hmm. How many miles did you go? Well, it, we only did 12 miles, but I had <laughs> underinflated tires and my bike, my seat was too low. It was rough. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, Trump has COVID, right? You want to talk about COVID, Teresa? Is that what I heard? I want to talk about Trump with COVID, not okay. so much COVID because, I mean, all right, go ahead and kick us off. What, what's on your mind about uh, Trump having COVID? Because I definitely have some thoughts as well. Well, I, I mean, every American isn't real. I mean, it's a great strategy he, after the debate. I mean, he he lost approval during the debate, no matter what anybody wants to say. I mean, if you just take a woman's approach and they weren't even listening, you know, no one was even listening. The spray tan alone, I was like, this dude can afford a better spray tan. And I, I support Trump. You know, and then and then he has COVID, um, but he he's doing a couple things from an approval rating. He's out and about and saying he's going to do the debate, which is making Americans wonder um, what what is he taking that makes him so much better than everybody else? Because, you know, we've been hearing for six months, you know, it's deadly. It's going to kill you. And he's up out of out of the hospital in less than 48 hours. Yeah, but a lot of Americans don't even go to the hospital. A lot of people don't even right. go to the hospital for. for but the this. media doesn't talk about that. Right. We don't yeah. hear that in the media. Yeah, Reggie's saying he loves you. Now listen, <laughs> Reggie. Reggie calls me and lets me know really quickly. Man, Trump don't have. He don't have COVID. He's just trying to change the narrative out there because he lost the debate. Here's what I told Reggie. By the way, it didn't take all that long for Reggie to come off of that theory either. Um, but like I told Reggie, Trump is not trying to change a narrative about him, quote unquote, losing the debate. Trump, as as we would uh, maybe say in the South, uh, bless his heart. Bless his heart. This guy is the one of the biggest narcissists the world over. Which, by the way, I, I see some positives in that in terms of him being president, actually. And I've talked about that here, so I don't think that's all bad. But do you think that he really thinks he lost the debate and that he needs to change the narrative? I don't. I think that guy believes he won that debate. He he went in there. I think, Justin, you make a really good point. If you look at the people who got him prepped, those are some combative guys right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he just went in there and did exactly what he prepared to do. I if think he was, was that, or I think that he he did not prepare, and then just went in there firing from the hip, and well, well he had too much information to not be prepared. Mm-hmm. I think that was totally intentional. 
whether we think it was right or not, which I, for one, you know, I thought I personally lost in that. However, I think he did exactly what he was meant to do or what they wanted to do, his campaign. And I think the whole point was to get Joe to spout off some numbers that were inaccurate, get him to stutter, to get him to um, mm -hmm. to show, you know, to start sweating. And all of those things happened. Whether, you know, whether we like what happened or not and whether it was enjoyable or not, I, I'm telling you, it was painful to watch. I watched the whole 90, min my 90 minutes, but it was painful. However, I think he did exactly what he wanted to do and what the campaign wanted to do. I think you're going to see the opposite tomorrow night. You have Kamala Harris, who is an experienced prosecutor, and then you have uh, Mike Pence, who, you know, he's a uh, he was a radio personality, smooth talker. He's going to get mm -hmm. out there and he's just going to be easy going. And, you know, he's going to hit her with some stuff and he's going to bring up some stuff. But I think you're going to see basically the attack is going to come from the opposite side. If if you want to know my opinion. Greg, I know last week you uh, you had mentioned uh, talking about the vice presidential debate. What are you anticipating tomorrow night? Well, I think you'll see a stark contrast, and that's why I was disappointed in last week's presidential debate, because had they had a real debate, you would have seen a stark contrast. Instead, we just we just saw, as Dana Bash said, you know, a mess. Um, so I think you'll see a stark contrast. I think, you know, Kamala Harris is going to, you know, spout the party line. I think she's going to question maybe even refer to Pence in some form as a puppet. Um, um, I don't think anything she says is going to catch him off guard. I think he'll be well prepared. I think he'll stay classy. Yes. He'll stay very classy. If he's wise, he will, because he's got to be thinking four years down the road, you know. Um, but I hope he can pin her down on some of the big issues like packing the court and, you know, the filibuster and, you know, some of those. I, I, I want him to put her on the spot about, you know, abortion at nine months. Yes. You know, live birth abortion. I, I mean, I want her to put him on the spot, put her on the spot. And if he can do that, she's not going to really have a choice but to take a position because she already has taken a position quite publicly. You know, yeah, and uh, so Reggie asks here, what do you think was um, Trump's biggest misstep? And I think that his biggest misstep was he talked too much. He mm -hmm. needed to allow Joe Biden to talk for that full two minutes. If I were Trump, I'd have said, Chris, give him my two minutes, let him talk for four, because at some point that guy's going to get lost in what he's saying and his, um, his, his cognitive deficits at this point would have been on display for for everyone. Now, yeah. Now, what what did what did Joe Biden do when when Trump would actually bring up really good points, particularly like the Hunter Biden points that he was making? And, and he made quite a few really good points. And what does Biden do? He basically says like a three year old. No, no. That was like it was like no -uh, all night. He would be. And, and what form did that come in? Nobody believes that. That's been totally discredited. Uh, mm -hmm. 
that that's that's a lie. That's not true. It's just that's mm -hmm. all he does. I, well, I, 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 answer yeah. anytime someone pins him down. And so what will happen tomorrow yeah. night? Kamala Harris is or Kamala or whatever her name is Kamala Harris. Her point will be or her way of do dodging and ducking tomorrow night will be that ridiculous, insane laugh that she has. And uh, try to just laugh it off like it's not serious. That's what she Well, saying. Trump's not a politician. Professional politicians can talk for two minutes and not say anything. Trump can't do that. He doesn't know how. Reggie, your question was, what was Trump's biggest misstep? His biggest misstep was coming across as rude. And nobody really wants a president that's rude. That's, that's, that's why the polls have not been favorable. It has nothing to do with substance. You know. Yeah, but how, how does he get, listen, Biden called the sitting president of the United States a liar, a clown, a racist, the worst president that we have ever had. And like you said, those are fixing to appear in ads. Right. You'll see. So that's the amazing, that's the amazing thing. When you take out, when you look at the transcript, right? You take out all the bluster and the personality and mm -hmm. orange man bad, right? He showed up looking like Justin's background and and uh Teresa's shirt right now. Orange man bad to get rid of all that nonsense, and you realize Biden called him a clown, a liar, a racist, the worst president ever, and told him, shut up, man. And Trump walks away being the guy that was rude. That's amazing yeah. to me. Here's the other thing. Several times this week since that debate in appearances, Biden has said this. He's been answering a question and then said, well, well, I, I probably shouldn't say that. But but here, here's how it is. And then he goes ahead and says what he just said. He should stop say. going this way. You know. Get in the camera. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But everybody, everybody. I don't know. They feel sorry for, you know, for Uncle Joe, you know. Uh, so in well, my opinion, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think Trump's biggest misstep was when he mistook um, Joe for talking about Hunter and Joe was talking mm -hmm. about Bo. I think that um, hurt Trump because it made him sound insensitive. And though Joe or uh, Trump backtracked and, and worked through that, that's going to be in attack ads right there. Because he didn't listen to understand. He listened to reply. Right. But what's so strange about Trump is he's a businessman and he knows that silence is the deal closer. That's what I couldn't believe in the whole debate is that he's he knows all about business and you're quiet at the table when you want the other person to tell you what they want first so that you can have the upper hand in negotiations. And he didn't but, use that. And And when he right. talked about his son... I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, how many people know somebody suffering from addiction that hit home to a lot of Americans. And I mean, right. he, he needed to apologize for that because it, it was wrong. It's not too late. He still could, but he won't. He's never apologized for anything, but that's just his style. And if you were to ask Trump whether he lost the election, I mean, the, the debate, the reason he would not say he lost a debate is because in his mind, the evidence isn't in all yet. He, he won't he he wanted know whether he lost the debate or not in his mind till November the third. If he yeah. wins, he'll say, "See, I told you." Yeah, and and what is uh, 
what's amazing to me, what's really sad, I guess, about our politics right now, and politics is Hollywood for ugly people, right? That's what they say. It's it's Hollywood. Hey, politics is Hollywood for old orange people right now, apparently. Orange and old people. And what's wrong with orange? (laughs) (laughs) And these and these style points, these style points are what so many Americans are going to make their decision on, right? Whether they're not many. Not many. You don't think so? Just the ones that matter. Okay. Okay. So I do want to say this. Um, it, interestingly enough, um, I have some data. Um, the uh, Gallup poll did a. Um, they're they've been doing this throughout the uh, uh, the election process. However, um, they did a voluntary study, and they followed the rules of 1,015 to 1,030. So they actually did a sample size of 1,023. Now, what's interesting is is though as uh, amid they used all 50 states sample study um 70% were cell phone uh calls and 30% were landlines which believe it or not I was a little surprised by that um and what happened is 46% said that they believe or, or Trump has a 46% approval rating which is the best he's had since May however it's still significantly lower than you know, what would be expected going into uh, election as an incumbent president. Now, the interesting thing is, is that he actually, when asked by the the sample study, they said, who do you think is going to win the election? 56% of them said Donald Trump. 40% said wow. Joe Biden. And the, the crazy part about that is, is, 24% of Democrats believe that Trump is going to win. And only 9% of Republicans went the other way and said they believe Joe is going to win. So, um, and then 50% or 56% of independents said uh, Donald Trump and 39% of independents said Joe Biden. So what is interesting, more interesting about that poll is that particular part of the sample study not the rest, the approval rating and all that has not been a tell-all of who wins the election. It's the actual uh, rec- or, uh, opinion part of that, that, you know, who do you think is going to win has accurately predicted the popular vote winner since 1996 when it was instituted. So, and um, when I say that, that means that it predicted the popular vote winner of Hillary Clinton in 2016. It predicted the popular vote winner of Al Gore whenever in 2000 and subsequently all other popular vote winners since 1996. So based upon that data, what that means is, is you have two things that are happening. One, people are afraid to say that they are a Trump voter. And then second, everyone knows somebody who is a Trump voter. They've got an uncle, mm-hmm. they've got an aunt, they've got a brother or sister who's a Trump voter. So regardless of what um, Trump did on the debate, which was, in my opinion, clearly a tragedy. And I, I, again, I think we all lost that, you know, I Mm -hmm. don't know that they lost, we lost. However, from using this data and the based upon on the swing States, the only state that Trump has a worse rating on 
than he did in 2016 or a worse approval uh, point than he did in 2016 is Pennsylvania, which I believe he loses Pennsylvania this go around. But every other swing state, he's actually has, um, there's less of a gap than there was between he and Hillary Clinton. So Trump today, he posted um, on on Twitter, Mm -hmm. he said about Joe Biden, uh, he said, oh, here it is, I've got it. He said, how does Biden lead in Pennsylvania polls when he's against fracking? And he put in parentheses, jobs. He's against the Second Amendment and religion. Fake polls. <coughs> I will win Pennsylvania. So uh, that's that's Trump's take on it, on that Pennsylvania poll there. So yeah. I, don't know. I don't think he wins it, but I don't think I, he wins it. I could be wrong. Which again, to me, it's just absolutely insane because I don't know why people would be voting against their their self interest. Like I just don't understand that at all. It yes, just I'm going back to your Going to your statistics, Justin, um, I'll counter myself and before I quit talking, but, you know, 20-something percent of Democrats think Trump's going to win the election, according to the Gallup poll. And that represents the, those people, those Democrats who really can't believe that for their party that Joe Biden is the best candidate they could have put forward. They're just disappointed in their own candidate. Possibly However... True that's true on the reverse side as well, not necessarily in the same numbers, but there are a lot of Republicans that, you know, they're going, man, I'm going to support Trump because the alternative is worse, but I wish the guy would just shut his Twitter account off. I wish he just wasn't so <laughs> rude and, you know, arrogant. And George, you mentioned earlier about his narcissism. I, I, I'm not a hundred percent convinced looking at it from a clinical perspective that he's really narcissist. But if he's not narcissistic, he's got the biggest ego, um, you know, of anybody we've seen probably at least since Bill Clinton. Yeah. And I just, uh, listen, I don't know. I don't know what it would be like to be a billionaire and have your name all over all kinds of buildings and, and, and be a media darling prior to running for election and uh, be the president of the United States. I don't know that. I'm just not sure that he's the same guy in private and with his family that we all get to see on 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 the news. Because I, I, I don't can't imagine Melania putting up with that. I don't think that he is. What one of my favorite media personalities and podcasters is a guy named Dave Rubin, and Dave Rubin recently was uh, on, I believe, Adam Carolla's podcast and was talking about a personal interaction with him at a dinner. First time he met the president. Uh, Dave Rubin is a, I'd say, a conservative-leaning, maybe would say moderate uh, uh, in his politics um, commentator and podcaster, and and he is, he's married to a man, and he met Trump and had this great interaction with him, and and Trump says, I'm gonna say it for the second time uh, tonight on this uh, family show. Trump said to Melania, I guess he's married to a man. And he looked at him and said, you know what? I don't give a shit. Right. And he had like this amazing interaction with the president. I think Van Jones has had some amazing interactions with the president as they worked on criminal justice reform. Like everyone that meets this guy that doesn't have a political agenda talks about what an amazing charismatic guy he is. But 
they just throw the stuff out of the window when the TV cameras turn on and it's time to play the game is, is what I really think happens here. Look at Cuomo. Look at Gavin Newsom. These are some governors that give all kinds of praise to Donald Trump in one breath. And the next thing you know, you got Cuomo on with his brother on CNN and he's talking trash about the guy. I mean, he sent you ships. He's, he's helped you out with ventilators. He did all this sort of stuff to help you out. And you said he did a great job helping you. And then next thing you know, a month later, you're blaming every death in New York on the guy, on Trump. It's well, amazing. I think that's that's because in times of crisis, Americans typically come together. And even in those situations, I mean, like Gavin Newsom, I mean, he said some quite he praised Trump quite extensively. Now, another case of that is is that, you know, what we received within some of the news media and um, even some of the late uh, night uh, late night hosts, some of them, but specifically with Joe Biden removing mm -hmm. the, the uh, attack ads or the negative ads like that over this period of time. I mean, that's just a sign of that we as Americans do come together. And, um, you know, Trump even at that moment, even Trump came together with Gavin Newsom and even um, uh, Andrew Como. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that in times of crisis, we come together because we have more in common than we do, you know, apart. Uh, you know, listen, I'm very, very ambivalent about Trump and his tweeting. There's times where I just put my forehead in my hand and just shake my head. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's this guy doing? But there's other times where I'm just like, there's things happening that I don't think we would know. We wouldn't get the, the full scope and measure of what's happening without Trump telling us directly. I love the fact that that guy can go directly to us and tell us what's going on. He can bypass CNN and um, uh, MSNBC News and, and the other outlets. And I know all you liberals watching right now, you just think that that Fox is the just carrying the water for the Republican Party. And I would encourage you to go look at some some studies on Fox where they where they you got bean counters sitting around counting all the mentions of Trump and basically checking whether positive or negative, the majority are negative on Fox. The last, the last time I heard this, it was like 53% mentions of, of Trump on Fox were negative. Now I know that you can't handle 47% being positive when you compare to that to like 0.0047 on the other networks. It just feels like this is just the, the Trump news network over there on Fox, but it really isn't. They actually are pretty, fair and balanced. But that guy is able to just get the word directly to us. And I, th I think I like it. And by the way, I'm a grown man. I can handle it. Right. So these snowflakes need to, to, to just buck up a little bit. If you ask me, for God's sakes, let the man say what he's got to say. And then you do with yeah. that, what you, do with that what you want. But in all fairness, George, the election is not going to swing on the informed voter. The election is going to swing on the uninformed voter. Man, yes. Yes. It's the, it's the person who's asking somebody else, who should I vote for? Instead of them doing any of the research. But, but I, Teresa I, I have the list. Yes. <laughs> uh, I have, I have a question, you know, for the pastors about tomorrow. I mean, we just barely talked about it, about abortion. And I mean, I think that's what people are concerned about with the, you know, the Supreme court judge, but, I mean, how do you think Pence is going to handle that? 
I mean, I, I'm a fan of Pence. How, how do you think he's going to ask those questions to her? Justin? Oh, yeah, she did take over your show. Um, uh, no, I, no I'm, just, I'm just curious yeah. about that before we get off here. So I think Pence is going – I think Pence is articulate, and I think Pence comes across at least – at least he comes across more believable, honest, and a person of integrity. So I think he's going to resonate um, probably with that middle voter or even some of the moderate Democrats who, you know, they're, and people have this idea that just because you're a Democrat, you're for abortion. Um, and then the opposite is true about that uh, stereotype. The, the truth is, is no, you... There are Democrats who think abortion is a terrible, heinous act, and I think that um, Pence is going to resonate with all of them because he has the credibility and I would say the long-term credibility on that particular issue. And so whenever he speaks about Amy Coney Barrett, he um, he's definitely going to um, – uh, he'll be the best uh, messenger for that for sure. Teresa, you said, how is Pence going to handle it? Here's how I think he will handle it. I think rather than ask Kamala Harris a question, he'll just state, I believe, or and he'll just state mm -hmm. his own personal belief. Because when you ask it in the form of a question, the, the advantage of that is you get to frame the question however you want, but you also automatically put the other person on the defense. And... Um, we saw how that turned out a week ago. So I think what Pence will do is I think he will state that I unequivocally support, you know, um, the right to life in all circumstances, not just not just at birth. Uh, Teresa, you and I have talked about this several years ago. If you're really a right to life person, right to life does not only just deal with abortion. Right to life it deals with all throughout the life and including the end of life. But mm -hmm. that's why Reggie's comment earlier is so valid. And that is that, you know, it did not score well for Trump to attack uh, Hunter Biden's addiction. Um, you know, that's one of those where Trump's never had one of his immediate, you know, sons or daughters that fought an addiction. Um, but if he ever did, he would see it differently, just like suddenly he sees COVID differently. His, his brother did. And that's one thing that mm -hmm. that struck me on that is mm -hmm. that his brother did. And um, that's something that he talked extensively about in the first, you know, in 2016. So, you know, I think that was just an opportunistic moment and um, it was certainly terrible taste. But I don't think it's going to be that memorable. I think the most memorable part is going to be over the fact that um, Trump misunderstood him uh, to talk about Hunter. And he was talking about Bo and Bo, of course, is Joe's deceased son. So, George, you said that Trump should have been quiet more and let Biden talk more. What about tomorrow night? Should Pence follow that same advice? Uh, well, Pence is going to be put on the defensive tomorrow night. Certainly Kamala Harris is she's she's going to be that pit bull tomorrow night. That's that's for sure. Uh I don't think Pence can help but be deliberate and measured in the way that he comes across. That's just his, his personality, and, and that's the way he'll come across. Here's the thing, though. Pence is exceptionally good at giving Donald Trump 
all credit at all times. Mm -hmm. Watch all of the yep. uh, COVID-19 coronavirus press conferences. Whenever uh, Pence spoke, he always gives credit to Donald Trump. He doesn't take he doesn't take any of it. And so for the orange man bad crowd out there tomorrow, every time he just references Donald Trump and what Donald Trump has done and what Donald Trump stands for, I, I just think there's going to plug their ears, but you're not going to win those people over anyway. Mm -hmm. It'll definitely be a stark contrast from, from, from Trump for those people that are maybe trying to decide who they're going to vote for. And they're looking for a really calm, measured individual. They're going to find that in, in, um, in well, that calm measured is more attractive after four years of Trump. Oh, and, I, and I, I, don't I, love think, I don't think Kamala Harris uh, is nearly as popular. I mean, there's no, mm -hmm. there's no kind of feel sorry for her like they do for, for, for Joe Biden. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm afraid that a lot of people, I won't say Democrats because I know many of us Republicans feel that, you know, um, I'm very concerned about Biden not being able to serve more than one or two week, uh, one or two years, and then suddenly she's the president. I'm very concerned about that, big time. Yeah, I think I think that's inevitable, and I think that there are actually a lot of people out there just rooting for that to happen. For yeah. sure, I'm I'm a little concerned that Pence will come off as a little too uh, you know milk toast tomorrow because. By contrast to Donald Trump, I'm there. He, when Trump picked him, he couldn't have picked a more starkly different individual for sure. And I'm sure that's why he picked him. Trump has said it a million times. He said how Pence is so appealing to evangelicals. He, he likes Trump mm -hmm. likes to talk about uh, Pence's faith and, and really highlight that and just how calm the guy is and, and whatnot. So, I think I Jerry has a great point, though. Um, I do think that that the crime bill mm -hmm. and Ka Kamala's uh, support of the crime bill is going mm -hmm. to be um, going to be her kryptonite. Uh, I I don't know. We'll see. I think she'll probably just laugh it off, and uh, <laughs> and and Joe will say no, uh, and then we'll move on from there, right? I, so. I don't. I don't think she'll be able to laugh it off with Pence, the amount of class and, and how he is. I, I think that he will ask the question and respond and be quiet. And then she will, she'll respond, but she'll respond aggressively. I don't think she's going to laugh it off. I think she's going to be aggressive because she's arrogant. Listen, any way you look at it, this moderator is have tomorrow, what role will the moderator play tomorrow night? Uh, well, let's just say this: the moderator is going to have a much easier job tomorrow night. Any way you look at it, uh, that <laughs> that's 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 not a uh, that's not a groundbreaking prediction on my part. Uh, that's, that's I mean, intern for Biden. He's obviously you know he's obviously a Democrat. So, and, and by the way, so is Chris Wallace. Uh, for all of those that find that unbelievable, because he came from Fox News, he is a registered Democrat. <clears throat> So, all right, listen, we, we, we've got uh, about four minutes left here. We're going to wrap things up. But, um, Greg, I want to ask you this question. And, and then also, Justin and Teresa, we had a show weeks back, Justin, Teresa, and I did a couple shows. Actually, we visited the topic of authority a, a few times. 
uh, around here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's become politically incorrect to even say that someone lied. Like you'll hear people in the media just contorting themselves and using words like he spoke an untruth. Like you hear stuff like that because people don't want to say that person lied. And then you have Joe Biden coming out, liar, clown, racist, worst president ever. Shut up. You have all of that stuff. And that's uh, that's what I would like to end on tonight is that little uh, those little nuggets right there. Let's end on a little happy note. Um, what what does it say, if anything, about our culture and the way that we our attitudes towards authority uh, in this in this culture that we're in right now? Greg, what do you think? Yeah, real quick, and this will be more in Justin's wheelhouse. I'll set you up, Justin. But I've had parents for twenty years ask me what's wrong with teenagers today. And, you know, I, I want to say you are, but what I say is well, teenagers today don't respect authority. And everybody I say that to says, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, the problem is that's because that's the model that's been lived before them. And here's a case in point. I'm a preacher's kid. So I, I, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home. But when I was a kid growing up, never would anybody make a joke about a pastor. Never would somebody make a joke about the president. Never. I mean, when I was a teenager, as far as law enforcement, if, if you really wanted to take a risk, you'd call them a pig, but you'd never do it in front of any adult. Didn't matter if it was your parent, any adult would whip your tail for disrespecting law enforcement or any really authority. So you can't blame it on this snowflake generation right now. They're following a model that they've watched for 15, 20, 25 years where authority has not been respected. And they're just mimicking because listen, you, Kids learn far more by what you model than by what you say. So we are reaping exactly what we've sown. And a while back, I had the chance, if you could teach three life lessons, what would they be? And my number one was, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And that's that's what we're seeing in our culture today. That's my opinion. Justin, you do more with teenagers than I do. That's... Um... In my opinion, that that that's probably dead on. And here's the thing I can say is uh, my father is a deputy sheriff in this county. And the one thing he says uh, there's there's he says is how parents speak about cops and to their children. And that sets up a, a stage and possibly it can go into a, a situation of where it not only sets up the stage to where there's disrespect for cops, but even authority period. And then here's the thing, when you create a culture of rebellion, you know, well, the Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So it's detrimental to you that when you create a culture of rebellion, what happens is, is it also creates a culture of violence. And so like, for instance, my dad said he would be in a, you know, the local gas station, whatever. And someone say, Oh, you better behave or that cop's going to arrest you. Well, that's not what you want to say. You don't want to say that to the children because that automatically puts this stereotype to in their mind as a child that he's my enemy. He's, he's out to get me, you know? Um, and it's the same thing. Like, you know, pastor Ronnie says this, he says, don't tell your kids Pastor's going to get on to you if you misbehave in church. Don't make me the bad guy. 
Because when it comes time for me to have to pastor them, they're not going to let me pastor them. They're going to think, oh, well, he just doesn't love me. He has no respect for me. Well, I grew up with this. My grandmother would say this all the time, and she would say it with regard to preachers. But she would say, now, you know what the Bible says? Touch not mine anointed, nor do my prophets any harm. And what she would say is, is that even when David was running for his life from that person in authority, he ran from him. He still would not do him any harm. As a matter of fact, he even repented over just cutting off the bottom of his cloth. It's we have to get back to that, to where we understand that authority is not only important, but it's vital to our health and our health as a nation. And that starts in the home. Teresa, the pastors have spoken. What do you have to say about it? Well, I agree with both of them, but I think a lot of it has to do with what we talked about today. I mean, I, I think you're, you have a problem with authority because you're missing a lot of love. I mean, there, there's a lot of brokenness that are happening and it's hard to, it's hard to respect people. And, you know, we had a conversation about change really happens when someone loves you and you care about them. And we need much, much more love in our, in our world right now. And I don't think we'll have to question authority. When you love somebody, you follow them. You respect them and you you want to do what's right. Yeah, you know, Ter Teresa and I talked earlier today and we were just talking about um, how, I guess my new, and kind of thinking about this, my new thought process in terms of, uh, can I be a person's friend? Like, how do I determine whether I can actually be a friend to someone one of the things that I think about now is, can I be happy when that person is successful? If I can't, then I don't, I, I, I'm obviously I'm not going to make a very good friend uh, to that person if I cannot rejoice with them. So I think about Teresa. When Teresa wins her, her election, I will be so genuinely thrilled in every fiber of my body to see her be successful. And, uh, and I know that because I respond that way, I can be a really good friend to Teresa because for me, it's like, it's my gauge, I guess, of, I really have no ill will at all. I have no envy. I have no jealousy. I have none of those things that can easily creep into a relationship. I have none of that, um, with, Teresa. I have none of that with Greg Kell. I have none of that with Justin Strickland. J Justin and I, uh, we, we saw each other in church last week, right? Third time we've seen each other. And uh, dude, it was just great to see you face to face. I walked away from there thinking, I think that Justin and I would make really, really good friends. I could see like, even after just face to face meeting Justin, I feel like if that guy called and said, Hey, I need that go West shirt off your back. Then I would say you can have it. I don't it know if I can ride 60 miles. It's three easy payments in 1995 and Visa MasterCard accepted, but you can have it. You can have it. Justin. But George, the reason you feel that way is because you know, if the roles were reversed. He'd give you the shirt off his back. I and think he would. Teresa's point to Teresa's point years ago, um, James Dobson was asked the question is love a noun or love a verb. And James Dobson said, yes. But then he wrote a book called Love is a Decision. Ooh. And that's that's really what it is. This is a decision you make. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, right. we've not been raising a culture. We've not been lifting them up to make that decision. We've been telling them they they can they have the choice of who they can love and who they don't love. Um, you know, and that's why, you know, that's why some of the issues of today get so convoluted. And then, you know, some of us conservatives want to beat them over the head with our black Bible because there's no compromise in that. Um, but you know, I have a really good friend who's a staunch liberal Democrat and we don't agree on anything politically for the most part. Um, and we go back and forth at each other sometimes, but we do so very, very respectfully. But he knows that he could call me 24-7 and I would be there for him. And I know the same about him. And it has nothing to do with our differences in politics or anything like that. It, it's because love is a decision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would love one day to see a president who is a statesman. Um, who would call us back to, as Justin talked about, uh, you remember on, you know, September the 12th, 2001? Um, I mean, we were about 98.8% American. We weren't Republicans and Democrats. Uh, And I still go back to that night when President Bush addressed the nation. Practically every TV in America was watching him. And he did a fabulous job of being you know, empathetic yet firm. And and I was literally sitting on the edge of my recliner, Darla sitting in the other chair watching. And I said out loud, like like the TV can ha- could listen, to, could hear me. I said, do it, President, do it. And Darla said, do what? I said, all he needs to do is look in the camera right now and call our country to prayer and say, would you bow your head and let me pray for us as a country? Obviously, he didn't do that. And I kind of, I guess, understand why politically, you know, that would not have been good. But I still think that was a missed opportunity. And, um, you know, it's it's biblical. And I'm a pastor, but or was a pastor. But listen, until until America's called back to prayer, um, you know, we're just on a podcast. That's all we're doing. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I just I don't know what I think about that, uh, Greg, just because I feel like that with so many of these episodes, when the conversation has gone to uh, religion and Christianity, I feel like I'm always the one trying to take the the side of the irreligious individual out there and whatnot, because the people who are not going to answer the call to prayer, we, we we still need them on board in some sort of way. And um, if you know me, if you know I love you, it's just a matter of time for you have a crisis in your life and you're going to call me. You can be irreligious if you want, but you're still going to call and say, will you pray for me? I'm going through blank. By the way, if if a tenth of the people on Facebook who say they're praying for people really prayed, we'd have long since had revival in America. Right. Right. Preach. Hey, and listen, listen. And, and Greg, I, I think we should close. Yeah. I think that's what we close and, and on. Greg, I, I will tell you this. I think that for that irreligious person to do that and be okay with it, I think it's just a sign of maturity. It's just a sign of a maturity. It, it is that sign of you have your beliefs and I respect those and I have my beliefs and um, I want to know that you're for me. And if if praying is an, an expression of... Um, 
that, that you have your, your way of sort of being for me is to pray for me, then I'd say, pray away, pray away. Even if, even if I didn't really believe in who you were praying to, I'd be like, Hey man, I, I, I hope you pray for me. Because if you did that, that would show me that, that, that you were doing what you believe to be best for me. And, and, and that says a lot about what you think of me. Right. And so yeah. I would, I would respect that any way you look at it. So, uh, yeah, I'll just refer back to second Chronicles seven fourteen. but you know, all right. So we'll we'll see who uh, is all interested. Second Chronicles, what? Seven fourteen. Look 714. it up. All right, y'all, y'all, y'all look it up. Y'all look it up and see what it said. I'll do that too as soon as I get off of here tonight. So hey, I appreciate Justin, you. Justin, uh, you need to pray for that guy. <laughs> I appreciate everyone watching tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is just a great forum for us to come on here and talk about uh religion and politics right and other light topics and uh, we love that you all would join us and you would pay attention and that you would chime in uh, with all those comments that i saw tonight i so so appreciate that hey i love it if you would share this uh vodcast all i gotta do is just click the share button it goes out on your feed this is people out there that might really enjoy the conversation it's it's really cool to watch the 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 views, the numbers just progress over over the week. I think last week's episode is up somewhere around 1,600 views right now. And so uh, that's awesome. And the, the way it gets there is by you all sharing. So we appreciate when you share. It's one thing to like. It's a whole other thing to share. And so go to the Small Talk page, share this podcast, and uh, like the page while you're there. That way you'll get the notification when we go live on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock. Uh, and again, go to Apple, Google, Spotify, podcast platforms, and download Small Talk and give us a uh, five-star review. If you don't like the show and you want to give us a one-star review, don't do that. That's not Christian, is it, Justin? That's not no. Christian. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I don't. If you don't like it, go west. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, you don't go west. For that. You don't go west. For doing that. You don't, man. Doing that. So don't do that. Right? Give us a uh, five-star rating. We greatly appreciate it uh so uh so again thank you for watching and we'll see you right back here next week tuesday eight o'clock and remember our sponsor the official crossfit gym of small talk primalbodyathletic.com go there check them out and we'll see you here next week see you guys